One of my passions in Congress has been about ending hunger in this country. We live in the richest country in the history of the world, and yet there are 35 million of our fellow citizens who don't know where the next meal is going to come from. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Jimmy Tingle Show. I am Jimmy. It is excellent to be here today with you. I want to thank you all for joining us. You guys have been loyal listeners, and we really appreciate it. Our numbers are growing, and we love that. So I right now, I want to bring up a very special guest. He has agreed to join us, take time out of his busy schedule in the United States Congress. Please welcome to the show the one and only Congressman Jim McGovern. Happy to be with you. Good to see you again, my friend. Thanks so much for joining us. I know you've been busy as anything down in Washington. I know you've just been working on this huge uh, hunger program. Tell us about this hunger program. Well, you know, as you know, one of my passions has, uh, in Congress has been about ending hunger in this country. We live in the richest country in the history of the world, and yet there are 35 million of our fellow citizens who don't know where the next meal is going to come from. And in 1969, the White House actually did a conference on this topic. And out of that came the WIC program, the Women's Infants and Children's Program, and the Modern Day Food Stamp Program, more focus on child nutrition, even labeling so that we, when we go shopping, we know what we're buying and we can tell whether it's good for us or not. And then um, we started to make progress toward ending hunger. And then in the 1980s, and since then, we have you know started to backslide. And again, tens of millions of our fellow citizens are hungry. And we could do something about it. It's a solvable problem. And I tried to get the Obama administration to uh, do another White House conference. And they did some good stuff, but we didn't get to the point where they did a conference. And then we had four years of Trump. And I said, forget about it. And then when Biden won, we started to reach out to him even before he was sworn in. And to his credit, uh, he and the vice president uh, hosted this conference. And it was really magnificent. I mean, it was about laying out a strategy so we can actually end hunger in this country and we can end diet related diseases and we could promote better access to nutrition for everybody. And we talked about things like universal free uh, school meals for all of our children. We talked about enhancing the SNAP program and we talked about uh, medically tailored meals and that food is medicine. You know, my grandmother used to say to me all the time, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. It would annoy me. I wish she was still alive so I could say you were right, right? I mean. I mean, our, our healthcare system is divorced from nutrition um, mm -hmm. and food. Our education system is. We need to rethink this. And this conference is a first big step toward doing that. Great. Are there actual funds allocated towards this effort? Yeah. So um, there, there are existing funds uh, that the administration has access to uh, that they're going to need to spend down. Uh, and, uh, and there's some things that they can do by you know, uh, doing some regulatory changes. Congress is going to have to do more. Uh, you know, we reached out to the private sector. There are 8.5 billion, that's billion with a B, billion dollars worth of commitments toward achieving this goal. Uh, but there's a role for states. There's a role for cities right. and towns. There's a role for everybody, right? The nonprofit world, the faith-based community, we all have a role. But what we have lacked in this country is actually a plan. Because if you want to talk about an issue like hunger, you come to Congress, well, if you want to talk about SNAP, that's the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, you go to the uh, Agriculture Committee. If you want to talk about school meals, you got to go to the Education and Labor Committee. Okay. If you want to talk about food and medicine, you have to go to the Energy and Commerce or Ways and Means Committee. But if the Agriculture Committee did a hearing on food and medicine, Energy and Commerce or Ways and Means would be pissed. So 
we, you know, we, we, we were siloed. Um, yeah. And this is a way to break down the silos, not just in Congress, but within the administration. Let's all come together and let's just do this. And by the way, this is, you know, if we do this right, we improve the quality of life for people. But if you're not moved by that, if you, do, if you really don't care about helping people and all you care about is the bottom line, you ought to join with us in this effort because hunger uh, costs an awful lot of money. Kids who go to school hungry don't learn. Workers who go to work hungry are less productive. And we have a ton of avoidable healthcare costs associated with hunger and lack of nutrition from diabetes to heart disease to high blood pressure. I go right down the list. So, you know, this is a this is a time to think big and bold and we could do something. And again, I, I'm grateful to the president, to the vice president, to Dr. Susan Rice, who uh, is the head of the president's domestic policy council who helped put all this together. Um, it was an incredible day. And, uh, and I'm really excited about what we, what we can get done. That's wonderful, Jim. Tell me, you've been leading on the hunger issue for many, many years since I've known you. We go back. You've been in Congress since 1996. I think I, I go back at least that far with you. And I remember you used to work for Joe Moakley. Yeah. Where does this passion for solving the hunger issue come from on a personal level with you? Well, actually, before I worked for Joe Moakley, I worked for Senator George McGovern. No relation, great last name, uh, but I worked my way through college in his Senate office at a paid internship. And he was the head of a select committee on nutrition and human needs. And he did hearings about food insecurity and hunger and lack of access to nutrition uh, all around the country. And I got to sit in on a lot of those. Um, and he worked, as you know, McGovern was a liberal Democrat. He worked very closely with Bob Dole, conservative Republican. And they introduced and passed some of the most con consequential anti-hunger, pro-nutrition legislation ever in our history. Um, and so I learned a lot about that uh, from them. And then when I got elected to Congress, um, you know, people would come to my office who were looking for food. Uh, my sisters are school teachers in Worcester. They told me about kids coming to school hungry. Um, and when they provided meals on Fridays, they were looking for meals to bring home for the weekend because they didn't have any food. Um, I've been to emergency rooms uh, all throughout Massachusetts where uh, you have senior citizens who are in the emergency room because they're taking their medication on an empty stomach when they're supposed to take it with a meal, but they can't afford their medication, their food, and their heat, and their rent. So look, you know, we, we, we are blessed with agricultural abundance. This is, hunger is a political condition. We have everything we need what we have lacked is the political will. And the point of this effort, this conference, is to just, you know, get that political will. Let's let's create this movement. Let's do something big and bold. Again, the last conference on this topic was in 1969. That was a time we still thought big. That was the year we landed somebody on the moon. Right. Um, and all these years since, you know, we have put this uh, issue on the back burner. And, you know, as we speak, over 35 million of our fellow citizens don't know where the next meal is going to cover, and we need to do better. Great. Well, thank you for doing that, Jim. And uh, it's great that you're trying to bring all these disparate groups together. Everybody's on the same page. Right. To get anything done on a national level, on a scale like that, everybody has to be on the same page. Sort of like when John F. Kennedy said, we're going to go to the moon, right. they put the resources in it, and they got to the moon. So kudos to you, and thank you for doing that. Thank you. My next question is, and of... Of course, you're working with the Biden administration closely. How do you think the Biden administration is doing 
And how do you think uh, the messaging is going to be for the midterms coming up? I think they're doing great in a lot of areas. We've accomplished an awful lot. We passed the American Rescue Package to get uh, you know more shots in people's arms to help get us out of this COVID crisis. Um, we helped save small businesses. We provided assistance to cities and towns that were going to go bankrupt if they didn't get any help. We passed the biggest infrastructure bill in the history of our country. I mean, uh, I mean, I did a Google search of all the uh, structurally deficient bridges in my congressional district, and um, you're lucky I'm alive to be able to talk to you. I mean, it is it is unbelievable, right? We we, we can fix them now, and we can fix our roads and our water and our sewer systems. Uh, Massachusetts is getting over twelve billion dollars in additional assistance above and beyond what we normally get from the federal government for infrastructure to be able to deal with this, uh, the, these challenges. Um, you know, we passed the Inflation Reduction Act only to, you know, deal with the issue of inflation to lower costs. We gave Medicare the ability to negotiate lower prescription uh, drug prices for our seniors. We, for our seniors, we capped the out-of-pocket monthly expenses on uh, insulin by, you know, to $35. Uh, it's a big deal. Um, and we put forward the biggest investment to combat climate change ever. It's huge to help us make transitions to cleaner energy, to the electric vehicles, to, to retrofit buildings and homes with better insulation. I mean, it's it's really quite incredible. And, you know, and sometimes we don't focus on the good. It's right. easier to focus in on, you know, the, the challenges that we have. And we have challenges. And we right. have this you know, crazy man in Russia, Vladimir Putin, launching a war against Ukraine and screwing up the world's food supply uh, because Ukraine is the breadbasket of the world. And so we're having trouble getting food out of there. Um, you know, gas prices go up, go down. They may go up again. Who knows? But that even that tells us why we need to be grateful that we passed this uh, huge investment uh, uh, to promote green energy. The bottom line is we all got to take a deep breath acknowledge all the good things that we're doing, understand we're coming out of a pandemic and things like inflation are global. It's not Joe Biden's fault. He's responsible for helping to dig us out of this crisis that uh, we've been faced with. What is it that we can do to solve problems, not just complain about them? Mm -hmm. How do you think he's doing with foreign policy? Um, do you think uh, the former president would have been able to unite NATO against uh, uh, Putin? Yeah, I mean, look, Trump wanted to do away with NATO. He wanted us to get out of NATO. Um, Trump would have, you know, handed Putin uh, Ukraine. Uh, don't forget, Trump thought Putin was, you know, wonderful. Uh, and uh, and I think maybe it was because he's grateful for all of the Russian interference in the 2016 election, you know, to, uh, to uh, beat up on Hillary Clinton and, and say that Donald Trump was great. But the bottom line is Donald Trump, cares about one thing and one thing only, and that's himself. I didn't care about anything, anybody. I didn't care about any country. It's all about him, how he enriches himself and his family. Uh, and quite frankly, um, he is somebody who, if he had gotten reelected, uh, would have moved this country, our country, away from democracy and more toward authoritarianism. And I, mm -hmm. you know, he's still a threat. Uh, he is still, um, you know, putting out there these crazy conspiracy theories embracing QAnon. And what is really hard for me to believe is that so many Republicans in Congress, people who I think are pretty thoughtful, but are so afraid of him that they go along to get along. But the people that bother me are the people who I know know better. Um, 
and who just are too afraid to stand up and say, this is nuts. You know, this is just wrong. I mean, I, I have people who were on the floor with me on January 6th who are afraid to criticize those who attacked not only our capital, but our democracy on that day. You know, and I was, the, I was in the speaker's chair. I took over from Speaker Pelosi that day. So I, I saw everything. And privately, they'll tell you, oh, no, no, this is awful, 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 or that Trump is, you know, in another world. But when the cameras are on and the microphones are in front of their face, I mean, they just, they, 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 they reinforce this big lie and they continue to, you know, embrace these crazy conspiracy theories. And I, I'm hoping that these midterms, uh, again, go against history and that Democrats can hold the House and the Senate. Because I'm going to tell you very honestly, I think if the Republicans were to take over the, the House of Representatives, it's tantamount to turning the keys of government over to the insurrectionists. Uh, I'm really worried. It empowers the most extreme, the lunatic fringe of the Republican Party. If they lose, then it will force the Republicans to reevaluate who they are. And they'll go back to being the Mitt Romneys or the Barry Goldwaters mm-hmm. or the John Boehners or whatever. And they'll move away from QAnon and all this other crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim, how would you suggest people get involved uh, if they are uh, persuaded that the Democrats would be a better uh, group to run Congress? How, how would you suggest that people uh, help that become a reality or remain a reality? Well, I mean depending on where you're, you're from, I mean, get involved in a campaign. And if you're living in a state where your congressional representative is safe, then look to a neighboring state. You know, you, we all have relatives in other states. We all have friends and people who are in our wedding parties and we went to college with, went to high school with. Let's re- reach out to them, tell them to get involved. Yeah. If you want to know what races are, you need to focus on, go to the DCCC, that's a Democratic Congressional Campaign committee, org, and look up, you know, what, what the status of the races are in your state or where you're, or states that you're near. If you're in Massachusetts, you know what, take a weekend, go up and volunteer for Chris Pappas or Annie Custer up in New Hampshire, or Maggie Hassan is running for relation to the Senate. You know, we have a, a race in Rhode Island, uh, you know, that uh, is an important race. Uh, to be involved with. I mean, I could go on and on and on. Please t- tell people, because especially the people in Massachusetts, I know a lot of people want to help. They're not always sure how to do it. So you're, you're recommending the DCCC.org. Right. And then look up the races and, and, and think where you may have some influence. Look, none of us want to wake up the day after election and say that uh, and see that we lost, but knowing that we could have done more. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I tell people, all the time that what's at stake is not just the usual stuff like, you know, economic policy and foreign policy and environmental policy, the stuff we fight about all the time. What is at stake literally is the future of our democracy. I mean, I am really worried that we are going to lose our democracy. We all, we came so close on January 6th. We said came so close. And, you know, um, the people who right now want to run the Congress, are the people who are giving comfort to those who attack the Capitol. Uh, they're giving comfort to those who promote QAnon conspiracy theories online. And look, this is real. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing that says that our democracy, our democratic republic has to remain. There's nothing that guarantees it. And 
it's amazing that when you look over history, the reason why we've kind of it stayed intact is because people on both sides were sensible and rational, that precedent played a role, that there were some, some lines that nobody dared to cross. That's all gone now. Donald Trump has crossed every line. The insurrectionists have crossed every line. I mean, we are in a whole different category. But this is the moment to stop them. And if we don't, I really, really fear for the future of this country. And again, I'm a, I'm a liberal Democrat. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I have a lot of respect for over the years for some really conservative Republicans. You know, I've always felt that you don't have to agree on everything to agree on something. There's something we agree on, we got to get done, and we could fight about the rest of the stuff. But this is no longer even about that. This is about whether the system that we have, where people matter, stays in place. And so go to the DCCC.org, figure out what the campaigns are in your community or nearby states, but just get involved. This is an all-hands-on-deck moment where we have to, we have to push back. So there are races up in New Hampshire. There's Maggie Hassan, there's Chris Pappas, there's uh, Annie Custer, you said, up in New Hampshire. All those races need help. They need funds. They need people knocking on doors, making phone calls. The race in Rhode Island, uh, the candidate's last name is Magaziner, who's running to replace Jim Langevin, and he's got a Republican challenger that is, uh, you know, a a fairly popular mayor there. Mm -hmm. But but here's the deal. Uh, To anybody who's thinking about voting for Republican uh, in this upcoming election, let me just say this. it doesn't matter at this moment whether they're, you know, extreme MAGA or they're more moderate, because the bottom line is electing a Republican to the House or the Senate, just the mere elevation of electing them to a seat and giving control to the Republicans means that the agenda that they've all been talking about, including a national ban on abortion, can move forward. Uh, reversing the investments we made in climate change, um, undercutting some of the key provisions uh, in the infrastructure bill or the uh, American Rescue Act, reclaiming important funds that have gone to communities uh, to deal with the public health crisis. All that's in jeopardy. Uh, The Republicans have a very, very radical agenda that they've outlined. And if you give them a, a, a majority in Congress, they then have the ability to bring all that to the floor of the House and Senate, vote on it, and then we're gonna have to live with the consequences. So Mm -hmm. now is the time to step up and to fight back. Right, January 6th gets all the headlines, understandably and rightfully so, but January 5th, January 5th was the day that Stacey Abrams and the Democrats rallied in Georgia. They got the first African-American Senator in the history of Georgia. They got the first Jewish American Senator in the history of Georgia. And they did that, and it was a huge upset. But they did it not with rhetoric. They did it with knocking on doors, making phone calls, door-to-door retail politics, calling people, donating, and getting involved. So that's got to be the call to action as we approach the midterms. Get involved. Do something for the team. If that's your persuasion, if you're Republican, do something for the Republicans. And say a prayer for both sides. (laughs) Say a prayer for both sides. And if you want to help Jim McGovern, you go to jimmcgovern.com. Is that right? That's correct. jimmcgovern.com. And we'd we'd love all the help we can get. Uh, So, But thank you. But I think the important message here is, we all got to get out and vote, and we have to do more than vote. We have to be active in these campaigns. And if we do that on November 8th, we'll have a good day, and the future of the country will be bright. 
And even if it doesn't go okay, I know you'll still be in there. You'll still be swinging on behalf of hunger, on ju- in terms of justice, in terms of peace. I know you'll still be swinging because you have since 1996, and we so appreciate you. You make us proud here in Massachusetts, Jim. Well, I love you, uh, so thank you very much. Thank you so much, and continue success. Thank you for joining us today. This has been a Humor for Humanity production. Our mission is your mission. Humor for humanity at jimmytingle.com. Thank you.